On today's episode, Dave interviews Larry Hankin. Larry was a cast member at the Second City. As a stand-up, he's open for Woody Allen, and he was nominated for an Academy Award. Larry helped found San Francisco's comedy troupe, The Committee, and in films, he was in Home Alone, Escape from Alcatraz, and Billy Madison. On television, he's been in Friends, Seinfeld, and Breaking Bad. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be an actor. Uh-huh. I still don't want to be an actor for any, anybody else. I started as a stand-up comedian. That's mm-hmm. where my heart is. That's right. where my mind is. That's what I am. So when I started out as a stand-up comedian, I was, I was really good. Mm-hmm. And I opened for a lot of really big, famous people. Well, you opened for, uh, it said Woody Allen. You yeah, Woody Woody, Allen. I opened for Woody Allen. Uh-huh. Bob Dylan was a big fan of mine. Jesus Christ. He used to come Christ. to all my uh, things in the village. In the village. I didn't know that until years later when I was at the committee. He came to the committee. He said, man, he said, what happened to you? Where'd you go? You know? <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I used to watch you all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, and he recommended me to a lot of things. and so, But, but I... I got the idea from being a stand-up comedian that you do the stuff that's in your head. And mm-hmm. You just either talk about it or make films about it or write about it. Right. But it's in your head. Right. Well, I couldn't take the guff <laughs> that you get from putting out the stuff that's in your head. I mean, I was like, uh, I was, I was like Lenny Bruce. I was a young Lenny Bruce, and I would get crap and people coming at me with beer bottles and I was just and I kept on saying to myself I mean my manager was Woody Allen's manager Jack Rollins and Charlie Johnson Jesus Christ yeah so so I went to them and I said look I uh, uh, you gotta get me on the Ed Sullivan show and out of these nightclubs where people are hating me Mm -hmm. and uh, because when I got my audience I I would tear the place apart and I would when you got your audience right I got my audience I would kill right that's what he saw, so that's what. So he said, "Well, you got to write television material," and I didn't know what the hell that that was because all I would do is get up on the stage and I would tell my day or what I thought about things. Right. Well, that was back then. That was kind of that was kind of something that people did, right? No, not not really. I mean, Pryor was writing his stuff. Yeah, they would ad lib and they would, you know. Uh, you know, fool oh, around. I see but what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So oh, what I'm I saying is, I never wrote. It. I didn't got know it. how to write. Right. I didn't know what writing. I guess my point was this: that that it it was so. I know you got Jack Carter and you got all those. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got all those old guys who, all those guys back right. then who were doing that kind of shit. I was talking to Jack Carter the other day. Yes, exactly. But, but and I didn't want to be that. Right. Exactly. And so so you're looking. So there's no there's no path. That you can go, because right now right. I could go your path or I could go Lenny Bruce's path. I mean, I'm in my no, mind. No, well, here's, here's who was going on. There was Woody Allen, there right. was Richard Pryor, and there was uh, George Carlin. Right. At the, all working at the same time. Of, you know. of that ilk, not the Jack Carter, you know. Oh, of the, of the ilk was Woody Allen, George Carlin. Right. Okay, Woody was television. Woody was w- white, middle class. He didn't curse on stage. Right. Uh, but... Richard Pryor and George Collin were, were all over the place. And Richard Pryor, I'd go to watch, and I couldn't, I, I didn't think he was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and George Collin, I would just meet on, on the road in, in, in different venues, different nightclubs. And, uh, but they stuck to it. They right. were also getting their, their audience and booed off the stage. Mm-hmm. 
So you would go back and forth. And I just went to Jack and I said, look, I can't take this. I'm a middle class Jewish kid and I can't take people not liking what I'm talking about. Right. That's like my goddamn rabbi, man. Right. I'm tr so I said, what should I do? He said, you got to write television material. And I said, I can't because it just comes out. So he said, well, join Second City. So that's what I did. So <laughs> that's how I became an actor. But here's the thing. You, somebody said, join Second City. And you go, that's what I did. That's huge. You know, as opposed to join <laughs> I just second. heard what I just said. But that's what I did. <laughs> right, I know. I know. But, uh, right, because you didn't see, you just said, oh, that's what I got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and then, but I hated it. And I hated it because I was studying with Viola Spolin mm -hmm. and uh, who's her son? Uh, Paul Sills. And Paul Sills. I right. studied with both those people. Mm -hmm. Now, they're the, they're, they're the Lee Strasberg of, of improv. Right. Well, I, I can't see the thing is I can't take direction. And I, I've been told this by very famous people. I have an attitude problem. And I, I, I just went into it and I said, well, Jack said I should be here and... So far, nobody's come at me with a bottle or mm -hmm. booed me off the stage. Uh -huh. And I have, as Jack said, look, you got five other people on the stage with you. Right. Nobody's going to attack who you. Was in the, who was in your company? <clears throat> Richard Libertini, uh, Valerie uh, Harper. Uh, this is all in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Severin Darden. So Severin was at the end of his... Uh, uh, of, of his career there. There, right. yeah. Yes, right. there. But there, he, that's right. I would just, he was amazing. Just amazing. But all of those people... Are, I don't want to stop. I was, yeah, this is ahead. called the ADD Comedy Podcast, so we get to go wherever the fuck yeah, we yeah, feel I, like going. So, because I don't, I don't ever talk to anybody who worked with Severin. You know, I mean, I'm going oh, to talk to Sheldon Patinkin when I go to Chicago, so I'll talk yeah. to Sheldon. But there's nobody around who talks about Severin anymore. Severin was, you know, he... I, one time, I'll give you how amazing he was. He stood on the stage in the middle of a scene mm -hmm. for, I'd say, a minute, which on stage is a long time to just stand on stage not saying anything while somebody who this was a kind of a work in progress. So there was beats you go to right. and somebody was supposed to enter. Mm -hmm. So they and the, and, the, and the beat was knock on the door. Severin enters, and that's a whole new beat. And then you can re-improvise right. in that beat. I love it. Okay, so Severin uh, stands there and comes and then knock on the door. Now he's the only one on stage at that that time. Knock on the door, and he just stood up and listened. Now the other person on stage had no idea he was supposed to come in. So he knocks again, and Severin is just. Listening, and he listened for a minute while mm -hmm. this other actor didn't know what the hell was going on stage and kept on knocking, and he brought the house down. Right. Just his being and his total commitment to, I'm not going to fucking move, or I'm not going to answer the door. He right. wasn't saying, I'm not going to move. Right. He said, I've got to really figure out who's at the door mm -hmm. before I let them. That was, I guess, what was going on. Well, but, that's Severin, man. But it's also, it's Severin, and what, what Severin brought in that moment yeah. was what I talk about, pressure, tension, and dynamic in a scene, where it's this tension that's yeah. going on, and the fucking balls to go, yeah. I'm going to stand here. And his relaxation during the tension. Right, right. His internal relaxation, and his <laughs> right. feeling of, I have confidence to know that this is fucking going to go somewhere, because it's somewhere now. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was somewhere. Right. 
It, it, this wasn't like, yeah. Uh, so anyway. Right. Th- what I'm this, saying is he was present. He wasn't going, where's the scene going to go? Or was no, the, no. He, he was, was there present right there. in the in the fucking moment. Right. And and that was amazing to watch his his balls on stage. Right. And, and he would get there. It's not like, well, I tried the experiment that didn't work, but I tried it. No, no. It worked. <laughs> Every time. He would right. go out on a limb mm-hmm. and then be standing on a cement platform. <laughs> How was he working with other people? You know what I mean? Like Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Because he would go anywhere you would want to go. Mm-hmm. He was totally... He, he didn't... And he also didn't write. You, you know what, what I'm saying. Right. He didn't write in his... He didn't say, I, I think I know where the scene is going. Right. I'm going to go for it. Right. He never... Because, he just... Whatever was happening, man, and total calm. Right. Uh, and brilliant. So now here's the thing I, I discovered about Second City that with all these people, Dick Libertini, right. uh, uh, I can't re- even remember. They're all famous, and Alan Arkin. They're right. all, but they were never, none of them were ever as brilliant as they were in Second City in the movies. Right. You you can't translate it. Mm-hmm. it. It you can be brilliant in the movies, but as brilliant as Severin was in the movies, I saw you know ever n- never. That moment where you go, holy cow. Right. You know, where is this guy's mind at? Right. Because it's not, yeah, because it's a different medium. Well, yeah, but you, you always think, you know, it's going to translate. That's why we hired this guy. I came into Second City. I saw how great he is. Let's put him in our movie. Right. And what happened? Where did it go? <laughs> now, when you go see Severin and you have never seen him on the stage... Uh, or, or any of those people, right? Any of those people, uh, you go, wow, that's these these people are really great. They're, in, they're great, yeah, they're, they're, they're great. great. But I've seen Richard Libertini and McIntyre Dixon do stewed prunes mm-hmm. on stage back in the group in Greenwich Village, mm-hmm. and they never matched that, N- never, because they were doing their own stuff right. on stage with their own timing. You know, no editing, no... Ed- I think it's so... Like, that whole idea of that venue, that medium, is itself a medium. And yeah. when you bring that medium into another medium, it's like taking taking a painting and making a video of it. Right. You go, it's... Yeah, that's really nice. Now, but- I guess you you can improvise on film. Yes. And it, and it probably would work, but it's very expensive to improvise on film. You well, not so much standing anymore, around. though. Well, I guess... But in other words, I'm not. I'm not saying that the only place to get, you know, baffo, sacco, mako laughs, laughs is right. on stage right. a, 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 improvising. Right. No, but it doesn't translate. And to do that kind of uh, uh, that project on uh, in film is too expensive to continue. Right. So you maybe do it in within a scene, and maybe you get something good, but. Yeah, mm. so... Uh, but it's, it's changed a lot. You know, uh, Rick Overton has been trying... You know Rick? Yeah. Yeah, Rick has been trying for years to, to, to make that transition from improvised to improvised television or improvised movie. Or but you have to have a, 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 a company and a willingness to... You know, Viola Spolin, she started with children's theater and she worked in children's theater for years developing the technique with children. It didn't just go, hey, let's get a camera and improvise. Right. It was like years of improvising with, with, with children and trying things out and writing two books, not one. Right. 
two books before and then giving it to her son and saying, uh, not giving it to him, but he said, hey, I think I can make a theater out of this with adults. Right. And then you have people like, you know, uh, Nichols and May and Shelley Berman. Right. I mean, you're going to go somewhere with those techniques developed and the, the brilliance of these people in front. What year did you get there? 60, 61, I think. 60, 61. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was there for a year and then Alan... So you were there right at the, right with a fucking new place. Pretty much, yeah. It was from 59 it started, right? Oh, really? I yeah. guess. Because yeah. we had, we had, the, we, we, they had, we had, they had the 50th anniversary, but four years ago. Yeah, yeah, ago. I was there, yeah, yeah. For, for that. So that was 50 years. 59, oh, right, 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 right. right. I just uh, did the math for you. You don't do so, yeah, so, and then, you know, I, I went to, I went to St. Louis for a while and then I came up to the, uh, the farm club. Right. <laughs> and then I came up to Chicago in, in 60, 61. And I was there, and then Alan Meyerson said, we got to get out of here. This place is driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. Let's start our own theater in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I went there, and then we were stuck up there, and I was there for 10 years just improvising, and it well, was look great because we owned the place. Look at the fucking people that came out of the committee. And that's why the, 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 um, those guys in San Francisco, Jamie Wright and those guys, now yeah. putting that, that, uh, the documentary together. Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know yeah. how much. It's got to be close to done if it's not done already. No, no, it hasn't even started yet. They're, well, but they're still I've, raising I've, money. There's some, okay, fine. Because I've seen, uh, Jamie sent me little bits and pieces of it right, to right, take a right, look right. at it. When I was at the San Francisco Improv Fest, which I think I just missed you at. Probably. Uh, when, at, when I was there this year. Oh, no, I, mean, I didn't go this year. You didn't go this year. But they said that you went last year, right? Right, right, yeah. right, right So yeah. when, uh, where was I going? Where was I going? Where was I going? Oh, uh, but I, I look at that time and I look at all those fucking people that came out of that the committee, and it blows me the fuck away. Because I've, I've also had Gary Austin was uh, one of Gary the Gary Austin, students. he was you my know? student. I, I, I taught Gary, Gary Austin. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether I should take claim for that. Now listen, he was an oddball, and mm -hmm. he was always the, the outsider, and he took a lot of shit. They would ride him, the other cast members, because his choices were so far out and so weird. Uh, funny, not not great, uh -huh. but certainly he was in the company, man. Right. I mean, he was right. doing his job. Right. Uh, but he took a lot of guff. He dressed differently, and I had to protect him a lot of times. Now, and I got to say, hey, get off of his back, man. But Alan Meyerson used to say that about uh, me protecting me from the other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used they used to say, hey, man, he's he, you know, he's an improviser. That, that came out of his head. Leave him alone, man. Right. Because I would make these weird choices, and mm -hmm. the other people weren't ready. <laughs> well, that's that's a huge thing, though, that the other people weren't ready. Because I got to tell you something: watching the movie that you and I did, that you did, that that you cast me in, so much stuff in that movie has the way that uh, what was the name of the movie? I oh, it was uh, my uncle Emmett. My uncle Emmett, and it it's online. It was a documentary, right? It, and it's online. Uh, I'll, I'll have a link to it yeah, a okay. little bit. What we've seen, unless you don't want me to. No, no, no. I think you're great. At I think it's really, but I hope. But it's not. It's not just. Thank you, but it's not just the work that I'm doing. I'm looking at the way that you laid that movie out, and oh. it seemed like you were ahead of yourself then. You were ahead of the curve then. I think that you. I think I still am. Well, I think that you, I think finally they're catching up because it. I am too quirky for the industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I. They go well, yeah, but uh, we don't know how to sell this, and it's and when I show it in movies, not not only that, that was in a festival, but uh, so I saw it in front of an audience and it worked great. 
but the other stuff, uh, when, I, when I show it, uh, you know, in, in just venues, you know, black box it around the town, it works great, but the industry just don't, don't get it. Right. They, they don't oh, understand I, I it. totally understand it. When I first saw it, I was like, this is awesome, and I've never seen anything like that at yeah. that time. What yeah. was that? That was... So, wow. Well, how many years ago was that? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, well, let me tell remember. you what happened during that time. Uh, let me tell you what happened in yeah. the last year. Okay. My Uncle Mort... <laughs> Great. ...lost... He went... He hit dementia, and he just cut out for two days. And we had to grab him, and we had to sell his house wow. to make him... To pay for right. the housing that he has at the Belmont Village on Well, that's Highland. a story that... Uh, that's, a, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you wrote the story that I... Of all the parts in that movie, I was the oh, one yes. that said, my Uncle Emmett, yes. and, like, he lost it, and we had to sell his house. We had to sell his house. That's <laughs> what had to happen, Larry. That's what happened. Holy that's what cow. fucking happened. My uncle... And I've talked about it on the podcast before. My Uncle Mord lost his mind. We had to go find him, and we had to sell his fucking house. That's amazing, man. Well, that's at least 15, 10, 10 years ahead of that. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? <laughs> at least. That's I mean, I moved, I moved out of that house that you, uh, I moved out of that house in 2000. So, so it had to be before 13, 14 years or, ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we got rid of the postal Jeep. Um, but, <laughs> right. uh, uh, but, but I'm telling you, 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 watching the way that you set that movie up, the filming of that movie, it was, it was, uh, it was before Christopher Guest and those guys did yeah. that. Yeah. Did, yeah. You didn't work with those guys. No, no, I'd love to. They're, 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 of course they're great. Right. Christopher Guest knows what he's doing. Yeah. But you've got all those people in the movie that we did. Um, was Libertini in that movie? Yeah, Libertini, uh, Howard Carl Hessman. Gottlieb, Howard Hessman, you, uh, right. me. Uh, Jeff Garland. Uh, Jeff Garland. Shuley Cowan. Uh, who? Who is my wife, Shuley, the blonde woman oh, Shuley, in the kitchen. Oh, Shuley, yes. Shuley. Um, who else is in that movie? No, wait a minute. Is, is she your wife now? No, 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 no. I don't have a wife now. Oh, but she was your wife then? No, no she wasn't. No, she, she didn't wasn't. she play my wife in that movie? No, no, but she had a part in the movie. She had the part of the movie. I thought she was... Like, no, wait manager. a minute. No, yes, of course. Right. Yeah, she played your wife. She played my movie. wife in that movie. Right. And then you ma- married her after that? No, I or never married her. I'm just saying in the movie. Oh, in the movie. Look, I'm just I'm taking sorry. I'm just care. It's all right. Reality okay. and uh, it gets all mixed up. Okay. <laughs> but all those people that you know, like Hessman in that movie and... Uh, it, it, Oh, and Paul Wilson was in the right, movie. Right, Paul Wilson and his wife. And she was in the movie, right. yes. Uh, 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 Patty. Yeah. Patty. And, yeah, but uh, look at all the people that, 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 and again, I'm looking at all these improvisers, but they're not improvisers, they're actors who, right. who you have, you knew how to work with them, you, because you knew how to work with them because you know what, what improvisers want, you know how to tell a fucking story, and you go out and you fucking do it. Yeah, but they were also, every one of those people, including, well, I don't know about you, but they were all friends, so I knew what they could do. You know, right. casting is 90%, 80%. Oh. Well, what I say about improvisation, the only mistake you make is casting. Y- yeah. Cause that's so, I mean, and uh, everybody fit whatever I had in my mind, or I knew they could, I didn't have to worry. Right. Right, 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 right. I'm just turning your sound down. Um, no, you didn't have to worry. Well, because it, but you also in your mind you had each character laid out really, really well. Because I remember you yeah. were you were feeding me lines. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah, and as a matter of fact, 
we were improvising that because I knew what I had to get, you know, as far as plot and story. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember we did a lot of shooting. And what, what remained, uh, well, it's like a, any documentary I hear, it's 40 to 1. Wow. Any, any major documentary, you shoot 40 to 1. 40 hours for one hour. <laughs> so that's right. about, we, we, we were shooting about t 10 or 20 to 1. Right. But right. It, and we were improvising. It was, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but I did that with them all, everybody. You know, I would say, well, this is what we got to kind of do and blah, but blah, blah. But people's blah. voices were great. I love what Paul oh. was doing. I love the, nobody could get the Dr. H, 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 oh. Hill, you're, <laughs> yeah. that bit, that fucking bit. Well, that also, see, I also edited it right. myself, personally. So I could make jokes where there weren't any just through, the, through editing. In other words, he's saying, eh, 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 and then I cut to Paul and he spelled it out, exactly. and then I cut back to him, and all he right. said was, yeah, could be. <laughs> exactly. Now, that was a joke that I made through editing. Right. But, you know, but I learned, I learned a lot, and it took me a long time to edit. Well, you had, you had four editors on that, from what I saw. Uh, yeah, because every once in a while, I would go to somebody and say, how do you do this? Got it. And so they, they, would, they would do it. Right. But now, since then, I've made, like, a lot of movies, and now I, I tend to write. I, I've learned how to improvise in my head and then put it on paper right so uh, i never and then back in the day when i was uh, a stand-up I, I couldn't do that i couldn't improvise in a, in a in a alone in a room and then write it down i i didn't know how to do that mm -hmm. I, I felt awkward improvising when there's nobody there or but now i i can i can do it it's well because that. it's that's so many people do that now yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, those of us who were raised on improvisation, we worked that. But at that moment, and, and forgive me, but at that moment, I think, or during that period, I don't think that a lot of people were doing what it was that you were doing. I don't think anybody was. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 all I know is I've been doing this all my life right. as, a, as a side thing. You know, when I was a kid, I, I had a little, you know, Super 8 and a little plastic editing machine right uh, and I would just shoot my friends and, and make uh, not stories uh, well maybe little little stories yeah when I was with the committee I was still making my own little movies and did you make movies with those guys you made movies with those guys are those no you see here's the here's one of the, the, the things and this is one of my challenges uh, I, I'm I'm a, a overt introvert um, I never feel that the ideas that I have until we I got to my Uncle Emmett where I had a full-blown character that I knew I wanted to tell a story about and I wanted to do a, a mockumentary about him called Emmett Demas. That once I had him, I could write. But until I had him to write, and I never did, um, I never asked my friends, my acting friends in the committee to be in any of my stuff because I didn't feel I knew what I was doing and, and I would... And I felt I would be wasting their time and, and they would get fed up mm -hmm. uh, because I was still experimenting. So I always would get people in my classes because we all had to teach classes while we were in the committee. That was part of the deal. You taught one class a week for an hour, you know, an hour. An hour, yeah. Or maybe, you, you know, oh no, maybe no, maybe it was two hours. Okay. That sounds a little short. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but we would teach a, a class, so I would just take the students from my class because. I didn't want to, and to this day, I, I find it very hard. I, I, I do it, 
but it, it will take me four days to get up enough courage to make a phone call to be in, in, in my film. Got it. I totally uh, understand I think, that. Yeah, you know, he's, this is not good enough. And then I'll go down and I'll write it better. And then I'll think about it and I'll go, no, I'll call somebody else. I don't want to bother. It's well, just awful. But look at the people that you had in this fucking movie that you and I did together. Yeah, yeah well, you that know? was because I had Emmett. I had right. my character and mm-hmm. I wanted to tell his story. Right. And that was uh, the driving force. And as, you know, Dylan said in his one, one of his early albums, Desire. Right. I always wondered, why would you, why, you know, because I, I was a big fan of, uh, of Dylan and I always wondered why I, why he did things or what what the meaning of his songs were or I, I tried to really I followed him you know and so when he came out with the uh, album and called it desire I wanted to know why he called it desire you know I can understand highway 61 I can understand that uh, but I, I uh, and I didn't talk I never talked to him I never asked him but it took me a couple of years until I understood the creative process mm-hmm. that the, and the part of the creative process is desire I mean if you don't have desire you have no creative process right. forget it just go home <laughs> dig a ditch <laughs> but if you have no desire it ain't happening right and desire is a force it's not a word it's a force that you cannot help you know you and uh, so when I had Emmett and I wanted to make the doc mockumentary with you I desired to make this like I there it was a demand it was a need it was a craving it was so I didn't give a fuck who I called at that point I had enough chutzpah of I got to do this man and the only person I think I can and also they were available at the time when I was doing it right uh, you, you know uh, Libertini lived right around the corner from me uh, at mm-hmm. the time oh, well a couple of blocks away um, and I and I could just call these people up and, and it wouldn't be no big deal. I would go to their house. And that was the other thing. I had developed a, a process. I, not only did I have the desire and the idea, but I had the process. And then the process was that I said, I will come to your house, film you at your house, right. just interview you, and it will only be for two hours. And even if I'm in the middle of a shot, if you want me to leave, I will get up and leave. It's a guaranteed only two hours in your home. You can wear whatever you want. Right. So I made it as easy as possible. That's well, you couldn't say no. You and I walked around my neighborhood. Oh, because you, I, I needed to do that. Right. And, and I asked you, but the desire was such that I had the chutzpah to demand. I mean, right. look, I will tell you now, I was, make, I, I was afraid the whole time that I was driving you nuts. And I probably was. But I would say, do it again. Let's do it again. Let's walk down here. Oh, no. Let's, you know what? I, cause give I me remember, more. Give me I, more. No, I, I clearly remember that. And I don't remember going nuts. I remember going, this guy knows what the fuck he wants to do. That's what <laughs> yes, I remember. I, I remember you knew what you wanted to do. You but, had a vision. And that's what I learned. I mean, it was, it's a great... It's a great it was a great uh, opportunity for me to say, this is what it takes to be an actor, to listen to what the director's fucking vision is and to cool. go, that's what that is. But I'll tell you one thing, that the idea that I had in my head for who you were, you nailed it. Now, I know I was making demands on you to get there, mm-hmm. but you got there, I didn't, because I know directors always help me get there. Mm-hmm. But I can take claim I said you know like Seinfeld 
Now, Larry David helped me get to where I wanted to go. I mean, I remember him saying to me that... This is the, la the very last episode, uh, right? Si no, this uh, Seinfeld, When I Stole the Raisins. Uh, uh, it was a character, I Stole the Raisins. But, didn't you, but you were also in the last episode, too. Weren't you, didn't you play Kramer? Uh, didn't you... Am I getting that wrong? In Seinfeld. No, it was the la last of the season. It was the last of a particular season. Got it. Got the it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So uh, there was a lot of people watching, and um, my in my head, what I wanted to do with that character, Tom, the guy who stole the raisins, was I had in mind deadpan. I wanted to play Buster Keaton. That was the image I had in my mind, Buster Keaton. And I said, if I can be Buster Keaton, I'll be happy with this. And I remember doing uh, doing a take, and Tom, the director, there was a director. Larry David would watch, and Tom was the traffic manager. Larry David didn't do much, but he was the director philosophically. So mm -hmm. he came over to Tom and said, "I want to talk to Larry." Because you've known you've known you've known uh, Larry David for a long time. No, no, just he hired me for that. That that was it. Okay, I didn't know. Um, uh, and so. He came up to me and he said, I know what you're doing. No, he says, I know what you're trying to do, he said to me. And I go, uh, uh, with a, a front, you know, what do you mean? You, I didn't say it like that, but my head was, what do you mean you know what I'm trying to do? You know, and uh, so I said, what am I, what am I trying to do? And he said, you're trying to do nothing. And I go, yeah. And he said, well, you're not. <laughs> that just blew my mind. And I said, and, and he saw my, you know, I was like kind of stunned there. I just didn't say, he said, well, he says, don't do anything. He said, okay, Tom, go. And he just handed me back to the director. And, I, and he said, okay, let's do it again. So he could do it again. And he just walked by me. And as he walked by, he whispered, you're still doing something. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and, and he just kept on going. And, and I thought, this guy is amazing. This guy is great. And so I, I didn't do anything. And he, he didn't say anything. He just went on with his day. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's a, a really cool part for me. I mean, everybody knows me from that. Uh, but uh, so I, I knew um, I could still claim that that's my character. I, I, I can't, but he got me there. Right. So that's all I was trying to do with you, is just get you there. But, and but you the got way, there. Man. But it's also the way that you told me to get there. The confidence that you had in me, it was oh, you. Oh. you know no, no, I, mean? I had confidence in the idea, in the right. desire. Right. I said, uh. and, and I and I knew I knew I had the right guy. No, I I I knew that. No, you yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not I you know I get it I get it. Yeah. The bigger issue because I've directed I've directed oh, so many people yeah, yeah, right. is to look at that and to go. It's about, it's about my vision, it's about my desire, it's about my force, but it's also about the way that I fucking talk to you. Yeah, 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 right. And the way that Larry David went, oh, no, no. Because he knew, <laughs> he knew that's how to talk to you. Yeah, to totally. I mean, I have, I've had directors who have tried to do the same thing but talk to me totally different, and I have an attitude problem. I mean, get the fuck out of my face is my attitude, <laughs> and they picked that up. Right. Uh, because you're not, I, I don't know what you're talking about, even though they were trying to get me to where I wanted to go. I remember a, a director came up to me and said, look, uh, uh, give me more, give me more. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I go, yeah, but, uh, I, I, and he goes, 
He says, no, no, give me, give me more, give me more. This is just for the audition. When we get to the camera, I'll bring you back down. And in my head, I said, no fucking way. I'm, I'm auditioning this way. He came out. And he, he, he ha- uh, this was a callback. Mm-hmm. So he said, no, no. He says, when you go in there, you know what you did uh, on the first audition? I go, yeah. He says, well, do, do more. Give me, give me more. Bigger. What is more Make me- it bigger. Uh-huh. Make it bigger. And I said, yeah, but uh, you, you, you like me for what I'm doing. Right. And he goes, no, no, but they want more. So I'll bring you down once we get on, on the set. And I said, no. I, I, I didn't say that. I said, I just nodded and said, okay. And then I went in and I did what I had to do. Now, the, the point, and I didn't, no, I didn't get the job. And mm-hmm. f- I'm fine with that. See, that's the point. I did what I can bring to the thing. And I don't want any, no tricks because you know what's going to happen? A suit's going to be on the stage. And he said, well, you know, no, he's got to be more. And I'm going to have to do more because once you sign the contract, I'm theirs. I don't fuck around. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional. Right. If, if they want more, I'll give them more. You know, I've signed the contract. You know, uh, but uh, I always go in, here's what I can do and this is what I can bring to the project. Right. If, if I don't get the job, then I'm happy. But if I try to give them what they want and I don't get the job, I hate myself. God, right. I, I have nothing, I have no backup. Right. I have, what did you do that for? Why did you fucking do, you know. Why'd you I, let go? Yeah, why did you let go? So, I, I, you know, and it's always worked out best. I don't get a lot, I don't get uh, uh, a lot of jobs, but I get enough, certainly. Look at I, my resume. But man. it's also, it's also look at who the fuck you've worked with. Right. Like, like what, what was it like working on uh, the Alcatraz movie, uh, Escape oh, from Alcatraz? Uh, uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Right, right. Huge, oh, awesome great. fucking part. A beautiful part and beautifully done. Well, yeah, and, and here's why. Because first of all, the, the, the director, Who Don, director, Don Siegel, mm-hmm. a fucking giant among directors. I mean, he, he also underst- understood me and knew that I was quirky and wanted me and, and whatever I could do. He bought me. Here's the audition. The audition, I go in. And uh, I, it was just a last-minute thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I, so I ran there. I didn't ha- read the, the script or anything. I just get over to you know Warner Brothers. The, 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 there's a part. There's one part there. Maybe you could do. I don't. What, what part? I don't know. They'll tell you. So I get out there and I and I'm, I, I sit down. And I'm the only one in the waiting room. And the lady said, "What are you here for?" And I said, "I I, I don't know. Escape from Alcatraz. What part? I don't know. They'll tell me." So she just went about her business and didn't give me anything. So then I said, you know, wait a minute. I should, do you have a script? And she said, yeah. And so I said, can I have it? Because let me just, you know, read it really fast while I'm sitting here. And as she handed me the script, they came out and they said, we're ready for you now. So I went in and I said, I forget it. So I went in and the guy says to me, Don Siegel was there and uh, a very big casting agent. Really big, famous. Well, it was a Clint Eastwood movie. Right. So th- she said, uh, what, what part are you here for? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I just got the call just to come down. So he, she says, well, to now like I'm not in the room. Well, what should we do with him? Uh, there's only two parts here, the guard or Charlie. So he says, well, um, he looks at me and then he talks to her. And he says, uh, well, I don't think you can do the guard because the guard has to beat 
uh, Eastwood up, and I don't think he can beat Eastwood up. I don't think he can pull that off. It's not believable. So <laughs> Charlie Butts. So let's have him read for Charlie Butts. And she says, well, he doesn't look anything like Charlie Butts. So she says, uh, Charlie Butts is redheaded, short, wears, and wears glasses. So uh, he said, um, he looks at me, he says, you want to try out for Charlie Butts? And I go, okay. And she said, it's not close. And he says to her, well, the audience doesn't have the instructions in the screenplay. <laughs> so I thought, cool, man. He says, you want to try out for Charlie Butts? And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. So he said, have you read the script? I said, no. He says, all right, he hands me the script. He says, just read this, cold. I'll read with you. So I go, blah, 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 blah. He says, okay, you got the part. And I go, what, what do you mean? And he said, y you, you got the part. Now they never tell you that. No, they don't. It's so like a movie from the forties. So yeah. So I said. So I said. Well, I mean, I thought he was pulling my leg, and I didn't like it. Right. And, and I thought, um, I, look, are you being serious? And he said, I tell you what, you go home and sit by the phone and see what happens. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I, I, I get home as soon as I walked in the door. The phone rang. He said, you got it. <laughs> so that was it. So, so now to relate to what you said right. about that part and what I did. Well, now I had all the confidence in the world. I right. mean, he he told her "fuck you" in front of me. Right. And he gave me the part there. Right. He didn't think about it. Right. And it was a cold reading. Right. So I thought I can do anything. I mean, many times I would follow. First of all, I follow all directors around. I don't follow the star. I follow the director. Mm -hmm. I'll ask mm -hmm. him questions all the time. Right. So I was following uh, him around. And a lot of times, so he, he was like, I'm like his pet, like pet dog. I mean, I just follow him around. How much time did you have in that Do you remember? Three months. Jesus Christ. I made, uh, well, that's let me make Asali's Diner. That's what paid for it. <sighs> But anyway, every, every once in a while, look at that! Look at there. that! Look at that! You did that, and then you made this movie, this short, with, got a uh, that got a Academy Award nomination. Yeah, yeah. You did that, and then that happened. <laughs> 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 well, I just, you know, um, but the the, the point uh, being that every once in a while he would come up to me, and he would say, uh, just, uh, "Cut, cut, cut, cut!" Larry, what, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? Like, I would be in the background. He said, Larry, get in your cell. And they would be talking. The scene would be here. He'd say, get in the cell and just, uh, you know, just be there. I just want something in the background. So I said, okay. So I'd sit in my cell. And I'd be doing something. And he said, cut, cut, cut. Uh, I had a, a, check, uh, uh, a chess board. So I said, I said to the prop guy, I said, give me a chess board. So I said, uh, so he gives me a chess board. It's just something for me to do. Right, 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 said, right, okay. right, right. I didn't tell the director. I just said, get me a chessboard. So I got a chessboard. And I'm sitting there. And then he goes, cut, cut, cut. La Larry, what, what, what the hell are you doing in the background there? I said, I'm playing checkers with a chessboard because I don't know how to play chess. And this is all that uh, they have in the prison. So he said, sure, I I'll stop it if you want. He says, no, 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 no. Just keep doing what you're doing. I just didn't know what the hell you were doing. But <laughs> go ahead. Fine. OK, let's do the scene now. 
So I mean, like, in other words, he would just—he would improvise. He would improvise with you. Uh, well, yeah, he he let me do whatever I want, right. and then whatever I wanted to do just would blow his mind. You know, but he would say, "No, no, fine, that's okay." You know, so but it was trust between. So that's what we had. We had tr you and me. Yeah, Th that was always. Just but it's trust. almost people too who start with a level of trust to go. All the improvisers that I've worked with start with a level of trust to go. This is going to work out, or and it's also going to be something I have no fucking idea what it's going to turn out to be. Right. And when you do that, you go okay. Especially when you're working with a director who you go. This guy has an image, a vision of what it is that a desire, a want of what it is that this is going to be. And I'm just going to sit back and you know what? It's a fucking minute of my life. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing you learn to, to be, uh, like a scene doesn't work, you know, and the, the lights slowly fade. Right, exactly. It's scenes. like it was just horrifying. Right. <laughs> you know, right. So you've gone an hour and a half, you know, right. get us off, God damn it. You know, take the So the lights go. But, and, and then all the lights come up and another scene starts. You don't have time to think, I nope. fucking died out there. Oh but, my God. But there's also things like shit that happens where you go, where you go, where you're working with somebody who hasn't improvised in a really long time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Peter Boyle came to uh, to do a set with us when I was on main stage. Right. And Peter Boyle was playing Haldeman or Nixon to Scott Ullman's Nixon or Haldeman. I don't know. I can't remember. And uh, in the middle of the scene, Peter Boyle just, in the middle, what would be the middle of the scene, yeah. if the scene lasted, yeah. Peter Boyle just said, and I'm done. <laughs> And turned around and walked off stage. And Almond's there by himself in the middle. He wasn't playing a Severin Darden part at that moment. He's going, what the fuck just happened? And Craig Taylor, the, the, the stage manager, slowly pulls the lights and the audience went, what the fuck just occurred? What happened? <laughs> yeah, that's like a Severin Darden moment. Exactly, but it was the opposite. Where it's like, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it was forced Turning upon you. Severin inside out, and I'm done. <laughs> and I am not here at all. No, 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 no. Um, did you work with, with Peter Boyle at all? Uh, Peter Boyle, no, but for some reason, oh, he used to be a fan of my stand-up and stuff, and then he was a fan of my acting. So we became friends because he was a, a good friend of Howard Hessman, so and Howard Hessman was my buddy. So we just hang together. Wow, wow. Looking at, again, going back to that fucking universe. And we have the universe, that same sort of universe now with all those great actors that are coming out of improvisation or the great actors who are improvisers that are now taking all of this outside. And, and Hessman, I look at Hessman and I just love his body of work. I fucking love it. You know? Yeah, I, I guess. He's a great friend uh, of mine. Um, but I, st I still think he's got a big one in him. That's he's what I'm got, thinking. I'm he, thinking the he's same. got, he, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I, I should write him a nice part, a really cool part. Where he's he so, just, he's so, I mean, to watch him in the. Well, in Johnny the, Fever, when he was Johnny Fever. Right, exactly. Who's cooler than Johnny Fever? Excuse me? Who was cooler than Johnny Fever? Oh, you know what I mean? WKRP. Well, he was working off of himself. I mean, that's what I mean. In the, in the 60s. That's what he did. He was literally... What was his other name? He had another name. Uh, Don Sturdy. Don Sturdy. <laughs> and he would produce my concerts. Uh -huh. when, when, I, when I was working in the committee, I would also do my stand-up. Uh -huh. Because it was San Francisco was all my fans. I mean, right. they all came to the committee, so I didn't worry anymore about that stuff. So I would be doing... And he would produce them. 
he would come and he would also introduce me as Don Sturdy. As Don Sturdy, and it was Don Sturdy and the and the Big Snake Hunters was the name of the company that he produced <laughs> me under. Uh -huh. And and, uh, and he also then as Don Sturdy would introduce uh, the rock and roll bands. You know, uh, he would introduce the Grateful Dead, and mm -hmm. he would introduce uh, 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 the Sop with Camel, and right. he would introduce uh, uh, all the other rock and Who roll bands. Who was in the Sop with Camel? There wasn't a famous guy anymore. in the Sop with Camel. Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of Peter Frampton and the Frampton's Camel. Frampton oh, no, no. had a had a camel, I think. Oh, right. no, he had a camel too. Sop but the Sop with Camel, I remember that name. And. and uh, uh, you know, Pearl, what's her name? Uh, uh, Janis Joplin? Yeah, Janis Joplin. Mm -hmm. uh, her, and her band. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Janis Joplin? Oh, my God. A big... Oh, Jesus. People are going screaming at their, their computer yeah. right now. But, but he would introduce all those bands. So when he was doing Johnny Fever, mm -hmm. he was just taking all that input he had in his real life mm -hmm. back in the 60s, and he was just putting it out there. And he was brilliant at it. Just brilliant and so cool. Oh yeah, uh, but but well yeah yeah he, he's a cool the character guy. the he's character cool was cool. Yeah, no, no, I don't cool know guy. him personally, but no, I know that cool he was just and and I looked at him and I think that what you're saying is so true. Where you go, he's got a big one in him because he because like what happened? Well, again, it, it, it's Johnny Fever. I guess he was as funny because they had good writers. That guy was a good writer on that show. Um, he was almost as funny as he was in the committee as Johnny F Fever on uh, WKRP. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, yeah, and Alan Arkin the same. Right. Alan Arkin is as brilliant in movies as he is mm -hmm. as he was on stage. Not as funny. Well, yes, it's funny. Yes, it's funny. So there's a, a one or two, but they're so rare that you make that transition and understand how to. Use that brilliance. I think Carell on cinema. Carell probably, yeah. Although I, I got to tell you, um, yeah, Carell. Because um, I worked, I worked with him on stage at Second City. He was oh, in my right, company. Oh, right. Because when I went to the 50th anniversary at Second City, I saw him on stage, and he was pretty funny. Right. Right. So I mean, I, we I, did that scene, that one scene, the scene with uh, with Colbert. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that scene. Right. So to look at him in that, uh, Carell, Carell. He's so fucking funny. It was so funny on stage. And some of the stuff that he's doing nowadays is great. It's just great. Yeah. His Anchorman stuff, his, oh my God. Ugh. You know? But I look at Alan Arkin and I just think that guy's an, an, a treasure. Oh, national treasure, yeah. Yeah. But we, we all came from Second City. All, all of, everybody we've talked about came from Second City. Right. That's, that's pretty amazing. Plus John Candy, I mean, you right. know, and all those guys right. from, from uh, SCTV. Right. And then there's people that, that you go, I mean, I don't think the average person knows who Severin Darden is, you know? Probably not. Right. Right. And, uh, or uh, Tony Holland. or Right. Just, Tony Holland. Brilliant. Fucking, right. He was amazing. You know, I mean, there were certain people who just were amazing. You know, but and, and and you know they they're gone. Well, Severin Darden was. I'm Severin. I'm sorry. Sheldon Patinkin was talking about when 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 Tony Holland died. I think I was at Second City at that time, and he was saying how he was the best. He said that that Tony Anthony Holland was the best and yeah. so underrated, and yeah. nobody knew who the fuck he was. You know, I you know it's another one. Ira Miller. Ira, <laughs> yeah. Ira Miller. I know. I never saw him improvise. I just know him. Right. I mean, as a, as a friend, he right. was amazing. He was amazing. 
And then when he passed away, you go, oh, that's right. He was in every fucking... Uh, I have his T-shirt. <laughs> you do? I, have, I wear it religiously. What T-shirt was that? It's a Second City uh, T-shirt that, that he wore uh-huh. whenever he taught his classes. He had like five T-shirts. I know. He, 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 and nobody would look at Ira and go, that guy is the vanguard of fashion. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I, I have one of his teaching T-shirts, uh-huh. I, which I wear, you know. Uh, but but Iris, Iris done so much. He's done so much, and nobody knows who he is. Um, I tell you, who knows who he is? Um, Two thousand year old man, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. He is. He was a favorite of of Mel. He was in every Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, as far as I know, uh, yeah. that's what Iris said. And, and he, but Iris like you, wrote, and he wrote with uh, Mel Brooks. Right. Too. That's that's pretty cool. That's really cool. I mean, for Mel to call you up and say, let's write something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. But Mel, Mel's like, no, no. Uh, Ira, Ira, Ira's like you, and Ira's like Carl Gottlieb, like, and, 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 and certainly um, uh, Edie McClurg. Like, you guys have, you were at the right place at the right time talking to the right people hanging out like that and getting inspired by that. I mean, when I think of like what Carl has done and how unbelievable his career is and his oh, life yeah. has wow. been. He's well, he's, he's my best friend. Carl is my best friend and he's one of the best human beings I, I know, you know. But, but that brings me to a, 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 a point that we started with and that is to being at the right place at the right time. And I said to you, I never wanted to be an actor. I hate being an actor. I'm not an actor. Um, I, I, I'm a stand-up comedian, uh, and and that's why I'm out now. And I now I'm doing what, what I. What does out mean? I don't. I don't. I, I I I don't work for other people anymore, unless they're friends, and and I just want to. But I mean, I I don't go to auditions, and I don't do any of that stuff, and I don't call my agent and I told him to stop sending me out for stuff. I just want to do what's in my head, what I started out doing as a stand-up. I just, I got this, these, you know, movies now, but with this one character, Emmett, and he's like Don Quixote on a motorcycle, or right. yeah, the, my Uncle Emmett, what, right. the movie that we did. Right. And that's all I want to, that's all I want to do and work with my friends. And, and it's, I'm much happier now, you know, I'm just much happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was there at the right time because I had stuff to learn, even though it was against. I, I enjoyed working with Second City and the committee mm-hmm. because it was us, and we were doing stuff out of our own heads. We were all improvising, you know? right? Uh, and we would do our own characters. So it was it was pretty okay, and I was very content to be in San Francisco and stay for, there for the rest of my life. But the committee closed, right? And wait, well, really dispersed a else. whole bunch of people. Uh, well, they all came down a year before. Right. Did and you do the show at the Tiffany? Yeah, yeah. And I, I adamantly, with a chip on my shoulder, I stayed up in San Francisco and starved up there for a year because I thought there would be other work. But there's no work. It was the committee or radio spots. Right. And that, and that was it. Right. So finally, uh, I was going to be Carl Gottlieb's wife at the time, Allison, um, uh, uh, called and said, "You got to come down here. There's work for you." She heard that I was, you know, starving up there. Bless her. And heart. so she, I lived on their couch, on Carl's couch, for two weeks, and then she kicked me out. She said, two weeks. That's it. Time's up. Out." <laughs> Just like that, she came to me. She said, "You've been here 14 days. No, 15 days. You're a day over." 
I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? She said, people only stay here two weeks. I did your favor because you're a friend. I let you stay an extra day. You got to leave. And I go, wow, man. I, you know, you didn't even tell me that. She said, oh, I forgot, but get out. And uh, so I made phone calls to couches. And so I, I stayed on a couple of couches until uh -huh. I got Laverne and Shirley. And then I got an agent and then I was gone. Right, 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 I, right, right. She was right. There was work for you down there. Uh, well, yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> I was kind of grooving. And, and basically, just like uh, Don Sturdy, uh, Howard Hessman, based Johnny Fever on his life, not in the committee, but what he was doing in his spare time as Johnny Fever up there, really. Now, all my movies and Emma Demas in our film is based on me starving up there for a year. I lived in my car. Right. Uh, I, you know, I, I just lived on the street for a year, and that filled me with enough stuff to keep going now for the rest of my life. I mean, just the, these homeless. I, I, my, I deal with homeless people, uh, old people who are disenfranchised, outsiders, uh, people with attitudes. Right. Uh, Don Quixote, basically, Don Quixote. Right. I mean, uh, quirky, and I think. The majors are still, or even the independent films, are now starting to come around. As I've shown Emmett around enough, I've got enough fans going that I think I can go back and not be quirky, but hey, you know, let's try this. So I, I could see a lot of that on IFC. I could see. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's places. So I, I, I think more places uh, now than I think there've been before. Oh, oh, definitely. Right. And also with all these quote unquote platforms. Right. I'm learning the jargon. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, the internet, there's Netflix, right. there's Showtime, there's HBO. There's, there's Amazon. That's a, getting... Amazon, there's AMC. There's, right. There's, I mean, just millions. There's movies, there's independent movies. There's, so there, there's a lot of different places. Uh, and so that's and you've my got next a, move. You've got, uh, you've got a warehouse full of content. Well, yeah, a lot of it is ex experimental right. in that uh, I'm... I'm I, um, I'm trying to find out who this character is. And right. then the last three, the outlaw Emmett Demas, the, those three, those are the coming of age uh -huh. of, of Emmett. The, the, that, those are finished movies. And those are shorts. on your website? I, they're on, uh, they're I, on LarryHankin.com, www.LarryHankin.com, or I guess they're on YouTube also. Right. Uh, but, but so the, the, the finished ones are uh, the outlaw Emmett Demas. And the first one... Uh, uh, my Uncle Emmett, when right. you're in. Th those, are, those bookends, and then everything else in between are experiments, trying to figure out who this character, what can he do, what's he capable of, right. what situations. Because I remember, you know, everybody thinks of Charlie, Charlie Chaplin, the tramp, right? right? And you think, but he, sometimes he was married, sometimes he had a job. Right. I mean, he was all over the place. He was all but, over but, the place. But, but, you know. Right. He was playing a part in a movie that had a title that wasn't the title of the movie that was part of that movie. Uh, it was a brand new movie. Uh, yeah, so right. I mean, uh, I'm starting to see. Oh, he doesn't have to be uh, Don Quixote on a motorcycle. He could be. Uh, I, my next one is a homeless uh, detective. He's going to be a detective, but a homeless one. Uh -huh. So, but th 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 those are the kind of experiments. <laughs> I'm just trying to see what kind of jobs he can um, he can do. And then I, I'm writing a, a, a what do you call a pilot, maybe a pilot. But I'd like to do movies. I don't know, but I don't want to work for anybody else. It's just, um, I, I just get too nervous because uh, I don't remember lines too well. 
Right. I'm dyslexic, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so that's real. I have to have scripts sent to me in advance so right. I can memorize it. But uh, on uh, Breaking Bad, it was very scary because uh, uh, Brian uh, uh, Cranston. Brian Cranston is um, he's kind of a stickler. He's kind of uh, anal. He's brilliant, man. He can be any fucking thing he wants, frankly. But it put me uptight. So I would forget my lines. Right. And he would kind of get really cranky about it. He wouldn't help you. No. See, no. He would blame you. Well, he wouldn't do anything. But after a while, he'd, he'd not say a lot of lines to you. He wouldn't talk to you. He talked to other people. Whoa, man. You know, so just a little, a little zots, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a little, hey, man, it's a get bit, your shit together. It's like a passive aggressiveness also. Exactly. That, that's, that's it. A little, little, just a little. But you, listen, A little man, goes a long he way. He can be anything <laughs> right. he wants. Right, right. You know, it's up to me to, to keep up. Right. And that's the whole I thing about being professional. You. No, I, and I totally understand that because I have trouble... Uh, it's a challenge for me to memorize lines. I'm not dyslexic, yeah. but it's a challenge. And when I go, you know what? I don't know I want to do that. That drives me towards doing what it is that I'm doing right now, which is my own thing. Exactly, man. So, so that's... A, but th- that was kind of the, 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 the capper. So I went from, you know, uh, Larry David saying, just keep doing nothing to... Fucking remember your lines, asshole. You know, although he never said that to right. me. But, but no, but you I, said it to I, him yeah. in the puppet that the was silence. Brian Cranston. Right? <laughs> yeah, the silence. <laughs> okay, we're gonna stop there. Okay, this cool. has just been great. Thank you so wow, much. Was, uh, oh my god, that was. It goes quickly. <laughs> Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rozowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.